Yeah, the Baker family has too. It was awesome. It was funny. So this year I bought myself my present, and um, I had to try it on, you know, and everything. So I get the present, and Mary uh, signed it uh, to Jim from himself. I'm like, really? Like, you had to... <laughs> Probably goes a little passive-aggressive, but anyway, so... Well, good. Well, this morning's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, so actually, I've already uh, started a return with Mary's and ordered her the right size. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. I'm thinking about taking on the tree this afternoon if they'll let me, so we'll see what happens there. So, joking on the tree. But everything else, yeah, we did open them all. So, good to see you guys, and uh, so I'm, uh, I'm going to take what I had prepared and condense it down since we got the kids, and I think it'll be fun for us. So I want to talk to you about the meal that heals. The meal that heals. And so... Growing up taking communion, oftentimes it was kind of uh, an idea of if, I'm fearing God's judgment. If I take communion wrong, then, man, this, then God's going to judge me. Something bad's going to happen to me, you know, if I got any unconfessed sin. So it became a great time of introspection. And has anyone found out that when you do a great time of introspection, nothing good comes out of it? Have you ever, like, gone and looked in deep and been like, oh, I'm so encouraged? No, no, it's like, it's, like, it's like not encouraging. And so there's a phrase in the Bible that talks about eating and drinking unworthily. Uh, in, in reference to communion. And so communion became this time of searching my heart, of uh, making sure I wasn't eating and drinking God's judgment on myself. Here's what I want you to recognize. When Jesus gave the Lord's Supper, he said, do this in remembrance of me. He didn't say, do this in remembrance of your sin. I, I'm just quoting the Bible right now, okay? These are not opinions. These are scriptures here. So what if communion is supposed to be about how good God is and not how bad you are? Okay, so my prayer this morning is that your fears will be removed every time you take the Lord's Supper. And I think we're going to see here that um, he's actually one of the provisions God has made for Christians to walk in divine health. It's the only place in the Bible where he says, here's the reasons why Christians get sick. And it's because we're not taking communion properly. So I think there's something exciting here for us. So let's talk about the meal it heals. When I'm talking about communion, maybe you've heard it called Holy Communion or the Lord's Supper or Eucharist. It's all speaking about the same thing. And uh, Eucharist is actually just the New Testament word for Thanksgiving. Is that Andy Lynn here? Oh, my goodness. Not Andy Lynn. Chris Ann, all the way from Switzerland. Welcome here. Sorry, random, random uh, moment. So, yeah, all right, all the way from Switzerland. Just to hear my message, I'm so honored that you would come just to hear me all the way from Switzerland and to see your parents. And uh, good to see your husband here. So I'm not trying to do a whole teaching on communion. I recognize it's a, it's a big subject. I'm just going to kind of hit one aspect of it. So I'll start in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 23. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. And just to set the context, he's kind of rebuked the Corinthians. He's like, listen, you guys, I don't know what you're doing when you come together for communion. He's like, it's, it kind of became this thing between the haves and the have-nots. you got people who are wealthy, and they were eating like pigs. They were uh, pigging out. Some of them had to be carried out because they were so drunk, and others were being left out. Okay, So that's what's going on in communion. It's a hot mess here. So Paul's like, I don't know what's going on when you guys are getting together. It's, it's not the Lord's Supper you're, you're celebrating here. So, uh, so you can imagine the scene. Imagine like a buffet where all the wealthy people brought the food, and they were first in line, and they were taking such huge portions, there was nothing left over for the poor people. Okay, So that's kind of what's going on in communion. It wasn't, they didn't just do a cup and bread. They did something called a love feast you see in the book of Jude. And so it was actually a whole meal. And it must have been a fun time and not just this introspective time because it turned into such a party. People were getting drunk. Okay. So it was this feast. It was a celebration, but they were forgetting about the meaning of the bread and wine in the midst of their party. Okay. So that's what's going on. So Paul, in the verses before, he just got rebuked. He's like, guys, I don't know what's going on here. What are you doing? This is what it's supposed to be about. Verse 23, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of your sin. No, no, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup 
after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Verse 27. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let's stop right there. I remember thinking that if I am unworthy, then I should not take communion. Otherwise, I'm going to get judged by the Lord. Um, so, you know, so here's this thing. Something that was supposed to be a blessing to the church, communion, had actually become a curse to the church. We were coming to the Lord in fear and trembling and introspection. Paul is not saying that we should not partake if we are unworthy. He's saying we should not partake in an unworthy manner. Unworthy is not describing the person who's getting ready to do the cup and the bread. Unworthy is the way in which you are about to take the cup and the bread. So it's not a matter of, listen, the Bible says, he who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, that's sin to him. Guess what? Ain't none of y'all worthy. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to be like going on the inside, it's like, what am I doing that's, you know, what am I not doing that I'm supposed to be doing? That's sin. Like, you're going to drive yourself in a, in a hamster wheel of craziness uh, doing that kind of intro. Good news, it's not talking about that. It's not trying to figure out everything you've done wrong so that you can be right enough to step into the Lord Jesus. Guys, none of Christianity has ever been about you being good enough to do anything. It's called grace. It's all about what he is good enough, and we get to partake of it helplessly by faith. He, he did all the hard work. He did all the heavy lifting. We just go. That was communion and the cup, in case you're wondering there. So, For those of you in the listening audience on audio there, so. Yeah, that was not planned. So, so here, well, here's a question. What does it mean to drink, eat, and drink in an unworthy manner? He explains it in uh, verses 27 through 29. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats, eats and drinks without discerning the body drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself. Verse 29 tells us what it means to partake of the uh, communion in an unworthy manner. It says, when you fail to discern or understand the significance of the Lord's body, if you're not understanding the power of what it is you're taking, it's not going to do you any good. You're doing it in an unworthy manner. The Corinthians, they partook in an unworthy manner because they weren't recognizing God's body. They were just off partying. Today, I believe we partake in an unworthy manner because it just becomes a ritual. Sometimes it's just something we do in between uh, worship and the sermon. It's something we kind of got to do once a month, you know, because we're Christians and Jesus said we're supposed to do it. And we lose the power and it just becomes a wafer in a cup rather than, uh, rather than a way of encountering Jesus. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 is talking about communion and it says we are partaking in his body. There's actually some kind of way that we're mystically getting a hold of Jesus through communion. I do want to say this. It's not, it's not some magical formula. Obviously, we're about to read here because the Corinthians were taking it, and it wasn't doing them any good. So there's not just some magical thing like, you know, I'm coming in, I'm, you know, I'm distracted, I take communion, and all of a sudden, I'm just having these wild encounters with God. It's not a magical formula. It has to be done by faith, and that's part of partaking of it in a worthy manner. And so um, it's not just a piece of bread. It's not just this ritual. Uh, that's an unworthy manner. I want you to recognize this. His blood was for the forgiveness of our sins, but his body was for our healing. I don't think church has a problem discerning his blood. We recognize our sins are forgiven. We're, we're coming more and more alive to this. Colossians 1.14, For in the Son all our sins are canceled, and we have the release of redemption through his very blood. That's properly discerning the blood. Is recognizing my sins are forgiven. Ephesians 1.7, 
Since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood, the total cancellation of our sins, all because of the cascading riches of his grace. So when we take the cup, we know that we're forgiven. I love Romans 5, 5 in the Passion Translation. You will never experience the wrath of God. Every time we're taking that cup, we're, we're partaking of that reality, I'm never going to experience the wrath of God. I can boldly come to the throne of grace. I am completely right with God. Every time I pray, I know he hears me. So that's how you discern the blood. But the bread, which is Jesus' body, was for our healing. Uh, there's a story in the New Testament of a woman. She was Syrophoenician. So she is a Gentile, and she is outside the covenant. And she's coming to Jesus. She's like, Jesus, heal my daughter. Like, there, there's a hot mess going on here. Mark, Mark 7, she's, uh, Jesus says this. He's about to call healing the children's bread. I want you to get this. Mark uh, 7, 26. She was not Jewish, but a foreigner, born of a part of Syria known as Phoenicia. She begged Jesus repeatedly to cast a demon out of her daughter. Finally, he said to her, first let my children be fed and satisfied. For it isn't fair to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. She answered, how true that is, Lord. But even puppies under the family table are allowed to eat the little children's crumbs. Jesus is saying, listen, healing is part of the covenant. It's like a piece of bread. It's like this bread. It belongs to them, and you're not part of the covenant. She says, I recognize that, but even one crumb from that covenant will heal me. And so Jesus, he's trying to arouse faith in her. He's not trying to insult the lady. And, and he gets her past this point of faith, and she recognizes that What's Jesus doing? He's saying healing is the children's bread. It's part of what belongs to them. And so when Jesus is observing the last meal of the disciples, he says in Matthew 26, 26, I'm sorry if I'm talking so fast. I feel like I'm just like, so I'll shift back to third gear out of fifth gear. So all right. As they ate, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said to them, this is my body, eat it. I want you to think about Jesus' body. His body was so filled with healing that he soaked his clothes with it. Like, like people, when they would touch his clothes, they would get healing because his body was so full of healing. And listen, if his clothes are that full of healing, how much more his body? And Jesus is saying, this is my body. This is bread. This is the chilling's bread, children's bread. Chilling. This is the chilling's bread. I don't even know what that means. It's interesting, the bread that they used back then was called matzah. And so could you uh, bring up a picture of the matzah here? And so there was an oral tradition back in the Jewish days that they eventually wrote down and put in something called the Mishnah. And they gave very strict instructions. Here's how you're to make the bread for the Feast of Passover. I want you to get this picture here. And so the bread, it said that it had to be unleavened. Leaven in the Bible represented sin. It said it had to have holes in it. It had to be burnt. And, uh, and it had to be arranged with stripes. Does any of this sound familiar? So Jesus was the sinless lamb of God. He was unleavened. His hands and his feet and his side were pierced with holes. His body was striped with whips. And it was burnt with the wrath of God against sin. And so every time you're coming to the, to the, the table, you're literally holding in your hands a picture of healing. He was striped. He was pierced. He was wounded. God's wrath was upon him. This, was, this happened to his body so that I could be made whole. I'm coming to his body, and he's given me a physical representation. If I had a title deed to a house, and I gave it to you, um, the title deed only represents a reality. It's a window into that reality. The reality is the house. Okay? The, uh, that's the same way when we come to the bread. The bread represents a reality. There's nothing magic about the bread. I feel like sometimes some people, so many people, does it actually become the body of Christ or is it symbolic? I don't know how all that works. I don't feel like the Bible gives us a whole bunch of explanation. 
But what it does do is says, this is my body. And we partake it. We partake in the fellowship of Jesus somehow, 1 Corinthians 10, 16. And so I'm, I'm coming to it, and the joy is in the reality of the house, not in the piece of paper. The power is in the reality that I am partaking of the body of Christ, the stripes, the piercings, the burnt, the, the sinless perfection. I'm partaking of that, and when, that's partaking of it in a worthy manner. Guys, I don't know of any other verse in Scripture where it says, here's the reasons Christians get sick, is because they're not recognizing what Jesus did. But if you're, that's doing it in an unworthy manner. But if you're doing it in a worthy manner, well, actually, we're going to get to that verse here in just a second. I jumped ahead. The only place in the Bible that gives, uh, gives the reason why Christians are weak, sick, and die. I actually don't think I put that verse up, did I? Did I put that verse up? Sorry, this is what happens when you take this much and you condense it down to this much. Could you guys uh, put up 1 Corinthians 11? This is called unscripted. You guys okay here? Put up uh, verse. Uh, put up verse 30. Is that it? Sorry, you guys are asking to do this. He says that the people who eat in an unworthy manner. He said. Uh, he said this is the reason that many of you have become weak, sick, and died prematurely. Are you guys getting this? This is the only place in the Bible that I know of. Listen, if healing belongs to Christians, healing belongs to Christians, right? Then how, many, how come so many Christians are sick? And the Bible here is, here's, I don't know of any other place that says, here's the reasons Christians are weak, sick, and die. It's because we are not taking communion properly. He actually says that it, um, if you don't take it properly, it becomes like a judgment on yourself. I want you to see this. When um, sin entered the world, God's judgment against humanity, and one of the effects of that was people became weak, sick, and died prematurely. And he says, if you're, so his way to stay, to, to stay off the effects of that, of, of that judgment is partaking of the Lord's body. And so if we, tar, if we partake it properly, um, what happens? We're going to have strength, health, and wholeness. Listen, guys, you're like... Brain cells are dying, like our bodies are decaying. This is part of the effects of the judgment on sin of the earth. And the way that we have divine health in the midst of this is by properly partaking of the body of Christ. It's to regularly feast on the effects of the cross. But if we don't do that properly, it's like the judgment comes on ourselves and we get weak, sick, and die prematurely. Is this powerful to anyone else? This is amazing. This is why the early Christians, they took communion every single day. Acts 2.42, it talks about how they met from house to house. And we hear sermons about, oh, you need to meet in houses. You need to be in a small group. You know, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Oh, you need to be in the word and to prayer and to, the, and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. Breaking of bread for Luke was communion. They took communion every single day. And what was the result? It said, and, and signs and wonders were worked among the apostles and generosity broke out all the things that we dream of happening and one of the things that they did i feel like i feel like we've got those other things in place we understand the importance of the word and prayer and meeting together but i'm not sure we've captured the full power of discerning the lord's body properly because as if we would do it if we would come to that body that's been burnt and striped and had holes in it it was unleavened if we came to it properly and we recognize what jesus has done on a regular basis the effects of the weakness uh, sickness and death would be stayed off of us and we would have health, healing, and long life.
So he says, here's what you need to do. You need to examine yourself. You need to see whether or not you're putting your faith in the finished work of the cross or if you're doing it in an unworthy manner. If you do it in an unworthy manner, it's going to be like that judgment comes on you. So judge yourselves. See if you're doing this thing right so that you can take hold of that which Jesus paid for. I close with this story. Uh, there's a story that comes from Scotland uh, when the British were killing all the Christians. They knew that up in Scotland, the Christians, they were having Eucharist every day. And so they would get up early in the morning, like at 6 in the morning, and they would go up to the mountains. And so uh, the Brits knew this, and so they began looking for the people who were going up to the mountains. They knew if they could find one and follow them up there, they could get all of them. And so the British soldiers, the redcoats, they were all over the place. And uh, they saw this girl, she was about 12 years old, and she was sneaking up to the mountain. And so they grabbed her as she's on her way to the Eucharist, and they said, where are you going? Now, she's in a tough situation. What's she going to do? If she tells him the truth, not only will she lose her own life, but uh, the life of all the people who are about to take communion, or could she go ahead and lie? What's she going to do? Listen to her answer. This is absolutely amazing. Here's what she said. My older brother has died. I'm going to hear the reading of the will and to claim my part in the inheritance. Gang, Jesus has been called our older brother in Scripture. And when we come to the table, we're coming to the reading of his will to take our part in the inheritance. And part of that inheritance is discerning the blood. Gang, you've been forgiven. It is not based on, Jesus is not treating you based on your behavior. He's treating you based on his behavior. When the priest brought the lamb, when when someone sinned in the Old Testament and they blew it big, big time, they brought a lamb to the priest and the lamb had to be sacrificed for the covering of sin. And so the priest would inspect the lamb to make sure the lamb was perfect. The priest never inspected the person. When you come to God, God is not inspecting you to see if you are worthy to receive the benefits of the cross. He's inspecting his son. (laughs) He's inspecting the lamb. And the lamb was perfect. And so as we come to the table today, I hope you can push past any fears of, I'm not worthy, I've done this. Listen, you ain't worthy. (laughs) No, 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 you're not worthy. But there is one who is. And so we're coming to the cup and recognizing I am, listen, you are as close to God in your relationship as you will be one million years from now in heaven. You're just going to grow in the experience of that. But as far as God's end, you're in. We're going to grow in a knowledge of that in the next million years, thank goodness, okay? And so, um, so it's not about my behavior. It's about me coming to the cross and it's be a, a his goodness, not my goodness. And taking a hold of that blood, the cup that represents his blood, blood <laughs> the forgiveness of sins and represents his body which is the healing for our bodies. And I feel like we have not properly discerned that, and it's time to start. So here's what I want to do. I want us to take communion. And uh, so I'm going to invite people to come up here. And so here's what I want you to do. Uh, I'm gonna have, yeah, we'll have some people who are going to help serve it here. So I want you to get the cup, and I want you to get the bread, and I want you to hold it, and we're going to take it together. But I want you to form little clusters. And so if you're with your family, get with your family, but then invite other people into your cluster. Invite other people into your family, okay? So groups, I don't know, 6, 10, whatever, you know, it's not, uh, I guess it should be 7 or 12 for the Bible, right, if we're going to keep those, more the biblical numbers. So just that group-ish, and we're going to, I'm going to give you some instructions to help us properly discern the body. But I hope you're coming today and you're recognizing that, uh, if, listen, if you need healing, God has provided a meal that heals, and when we take it properly, we can uh, expect, uh, you know, strength, health, and long life. Okay, if we could have everybody stand. And so, Jim, where are we going to form these clusters? I'm leaving that up to you. But if you form them down front, the other people coming aren't going to be able to get in line. 
So get your meal and then go cluster somewhere else. Okay. And then eventually, I guess we'll have to use the front. So what? Oh, there's some in the back. Oh, there's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sarah and Brian, everyone wave at Sarah and Brian. And over there, okay, uh, Delbert and Mary, okay, over there. So there's, uh, yeah, so there's tables there. So go ahead and receive, and then, uh, but don't take it yet. We're going to take it together. I'm going to give you some instructions. We're going to go after healing in these groups. If we could get a little music, maybe that'd be awesome too. Sorry, I forgot to ask for that. Why we just got insight into somebody's playlist there. Yeah. So hold the cup and bread. Why wow, this cluster thing was not well thought out, but it made sense in my head. So I'm just going to trust your creativity and ingenuity. We've got napkins up front, too, in case that becomes necessary. <laughs> that was not specifically aimed at anyone. Yeah. I'm so proud of these spontaneous clusters being formed here. This is powerful. Hey guys, if you see someone who's uh, not connected to a group, just invite them on into your group here. So. so this is you like, hey, you in the red shirt, come over here. Yeah, this is you doing that right now. Good. All right, is there anyone who has not been served that wants to be served? You could raise your hand. I just want to make sure we get it. We can maybe bring it to you if we need to. Okay, you guys ready? So I'm going to explain the bread. I'm going to explain the cup, and we're going to, we're going to take them. And then um, 
Listen, if you have a need for healing in your body, I'm encouraging you to properly, to take in a worthy manner, to properly discern the Lord's body, to recognize what was paid for here. And so I want you to, so in the, uh, communion is really a new covenant version of Passover, which was an old covenant, an Old Testament celebration that the Jews did. So the Jews, the, uh, they were in slavery to Egypt, and the day that they were going to get delivered, here's what God said. He said, I want you to take a lamb, and I want you to paint blood over the po- uh, doorpost. And they kind of painted it almost in the form of a cross. So they had blood on the doorpost, and on the inside, they were feasting on a lamb. They were discerning the body. And uh, that, the very next day, it said that, in Psalm 105, it says that none feeble among them happened as they went out. So two and a half million slaves who were beaten, malnourished, just all, the, all these horrible things happened to them. And, and one day they received healing because of the blood and because of the bread. None feeble went out. But it says as they, as they took it, it said they had a belt on, sandals, and a staff, which means they were expecting deliverance to happen. So as we're taking this thing, I don't want us to just take it. I want us to take it expecting. That, man, there, there is something happening here. There's no magic in the bread, but there is some mis- mysterious way that I'm participating in the life of my Savior when I, when, I, when I take this bread. And God, I'm properly discerning, recognizing, just like, as if we were seeing that matzah bread. I, I see the holes. I see the stripes. I see the burn. I see the unleavened. God, this is for me. And as you take this, you're taking healing into your body. And uh, yeah, so, so when you hold the bread in your hand, you're coming in touch with the greatest expression of his love. This love made him endure the cruel stripes on his back and caused him to subject his body to be beaten, bruised, and broken so that yours can be healed. And so when you partake, you celebrate and release your faith to receive his health and wholeness in exchange for your sickness and diseases. Let's take the bread together. When you drink this cup, you were reminded that the blood of the sinless Son of God did not just bring your forgiveness. It made you forever righteous holy and blameless. So today you have perfect standing before the Father and his ears are attentive to your softest prayer. So let's properly take the cup and recognize what he's paid for. So here's what I want you to do. Now that you're in groups and now you're believing for healing, let's just go ahead and agree with each other for healing. And so if you have, um, uh, Mary, did you actually want to, uh, you had a couple of those words you wanted to give? And so she's going to call out a couple conditions, but we want to go after any condition, even if yours isn't called. But I think it's good if God's highlighting a couple things, because you had this one for like a week. It comes. Um, This is loud. Um, Yeah, I just really felt like God really wants to go after impossible things today, because he's the God of the impossible. And so when I was talking to him this morning about it, um, I felt like it was specifically for things that have been lost or stolen, stolen. Um, or even like disintegrated. And I feel like it goes anywhere from like finances, if you have lost or had money stolen to call those things back in today, I feel like there's an impossibility that needs to be, uh, needs to bow to the name of Jesus. And um, I also was um, thinking about um, your gums. Like if you've got receding uh, gum line, 
that can't come back. So things that like you have lost and it just, it's impossible for it to come back without like surgery or something. So anywhere from money to like something physical, I really want you guys to go after that today because he wants to do impossible things. And one of the things he was telling me is that we actually live in a land where the decree over the land is with God, all things are possible. We're the only state in America that has a state motto that says with God, all things are possible. And I feel like this is the day that we get to stand on our land <laughs> and partner with that, that decree that with God, all things are possible. Amen. All right, so in your groups, I want you to, um, so, so a lot of times what people do is they like to keep things secret. And I'll just let you know, uh, here's what the Bible says, confess your weaknesses one to another that you may be healed. And so there's, there's something about humbling yourself and saying, I need somebody else to help me pray. I remember I was not healed of a gluten allergy until um, I stood for a word of knowledge and, and had it healed. You know, it, you know, as I was trying to get healed on my own, it didn't happen until I said, you know what, I need help. I remember I, was, I had a stomach condition. I lost 25 pounds. Um, you guys probably don't recognize that. It was about a year and a half ago. I lost 25 pounds. And it wasn't until I told the staff one day, I said, guys, I need to get healed today. There's something wrong with my body. And I got healed that very day when I confessed my weaknesses. And so this isn't about airing your laundry, but this is about just recognizing that God has a body and he, he will use those people. And as we humble ourselves and as we're taking, properly discerning the Lord's body, I believe healing is going to flow. So those are the only two things I can think of in Scripture. If you, um, if you confess your weaknesses, so the opposite of that would be if you don't, healing might not flow and properly discerning the Lord's body. So let's just put them together today and get breakthrough. I don't care if it's gradual breakthrough or if it's instantaneous, we want breakthrough. Okay, so just in your groups, if you got an impossibility, uh, something that was lost, healing in your body, just go ahead and go for it. Let's just keep it to like, you know, 30, 60, 60 second prayers. And so just command that thing to be happen in the name of Jesus and believe it. All right, go for it, guys. I'll see you in about five minutes.
Hey guys, make sure you get the kids involved. They, uh, they haven't learned all the fear, doubt, and unbelief that we're trying to get rid of. They just got up pure, so make sure you get them involved in the healing. We'll take about another minute or two here. All right, we'll take about another uh, 30 seconds here, and you guys are welcome to continue ministering here. I'm going to wrap it up here in just a second. All right, so feel free to keep ministering to one another. Some of you may feel a challenge in your heart to begin taking communion on a more regular basis, recognizing that body that was broken for your healing and the blood that was shed for you to have a perfect relationship with God. And so uh, I'm going to invite our healing teams to come forward. If you'd like some extra prayer for healing, uh, feel free to stay in your groups there and continue, uh, uh, continue ministering to each other. Lord, we love you, and we just thank you for all that was paid for and that you're releasing impossible. Uh, breakthrough and impossibilities in uh, each life here. In the name of Jesus, amen. Bless you guys. Merry Christmas. Ministry teams are coming forward. Keep ministering to each other. God bless you guys.